Hello, everyone. Last episode, we were in South Korea, reading our book, Our Twisted Hero, by Yi Moon-yo. Now, Paige and I are headed to Japan. So buckle in and get set. You're listening to Paperbacker Podcast. Alright, Paige, so what do you know about Japan anyway? Well, I know they have that flag with the red dot in the middle and Tokyo. Tokyo is a big city. Well, that's not a whole lot. Don't worry, I'm sure we'll learn a lot on this trip. Let's find the subway and hop on the train. Our destination is a bit further. Alright, so listen, Paige. Tokyo has a reputation for being very busy and crowded. I'll need you to stick close to me this time. Why do I see so many people reading comic books? That's called manga. They even read them on their phones. Ebooks. Ugh, they'll be the death of us. When you say us... Uh, don't dwell on it. I mean, look, everyone's nose is buried in them. I just think people spend too much time on their phones. They cause more trouble than us books, that's for sure. You cause me trouble every time you run off. I can't help it. Books are like my playground. Hey look, some students are drawing some art in their notebooks over there. See? Those poor notebooks. You don't want that? It's like a tattoo. Huh. Yeah, keep those kids away from me. Hey, this is our stop. Lead the way to the bookstore. Wow. This place is crowded. Oh, look, Paige. A sale on calligraphy bookmarks. Oh, origami ones too. But there's a lot of students in here today, huh? I bet those bags are, are full of markers and colored pencils. I'm gonna go over there. Paige, wait! And she's gone. Excuse me, do you know what's going on here, miss? There's a famous book on sale today called Confessions by Minato Kanae. I see. Is this a good book? Yes, it is really good. And uh, Minato Kana is a really, really famous Japanese author. So if you are interested in Japanese book, you should uh, read it. All right. Well, let's take a look. All right. So the back of this book says that Kene Minato is a former home economics teacher and housewife who wrote the book Confessions, this book. And it was her first novel. She wrote it between doing household chores. And now the book has sold more than 3 million copies in Japan. It's also won some, sev uh, some literary awards, such as the Radio Drama Award, the Detective Novel Prize for New Writers, and the National Booksellers Award. Ooh, it was adapted into an Oscar shortlisted film directed by Tetsuya Nakashima. Minato lives in Japan. What about you? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm Mio, and I'm Japanese, and I lived in Tokyo. And do you live here in Tokyo? Yes, I live in Tokyo. How do you like it? It's been okay so far, but I just found really crowded, especially in the train. In the morning to go to work, it's really crowded. So just so many people. And also, before I started living in Tokyo, I was uh, I was lived with my parents in Saitama, which is next to Tokyo. But it's, it's said maybe like countryside or something. It's really different. In Saitama which is my home hometown, is a bit more safer. But Tokyo, there are, like, uh, most of dangerous victims has happened in Tokyo a lot, I feel. So you love this book, Confessions, and by the looks of it, everybody does. Let's see what this first chapter starts off like, called The Saint. We begin in a middle school classroom, and the students have just finished drinking individual milk cartons. It's the last day of the school year, and it's also the last and final day of milk time. The teacher, Yuko Moriguchi, reveals this was a secret program by the health ministry for promoting dairy products for the efforts of improving bone mass. The students dislike the idea of being tricked like this. Alright, I mean, so far so good. Health ministry taking care of kids, making them drink milk. I don't know what makes them so upset, though. I remember drinking milk. I remember drinking milk back in elementary school, and I would drink 
Milk no problem? Yeah, we had milk time. It was a good time. I think that to me, drinking milk in a school is really normal. We have like a kind of a school lunch rule or something. It's not like a strict rule. It's not like law, but like a school organization suggests every school to like have a student like drink milk or something. It's really natural to me drinking milk. When I was uh, like uh, seven or eight years old, my teacher was really, really strict, especially on the food and like milk. Each student could get their own milk, milk box or like the milk container thing. If a student cannot finish their own milk, we needed to keep it until we, the school finishes the day. So even if you don't finish the milk, you have to hold on to it the whole day until you finish it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, need, I needed to put the milk container into my, there is like a drawer. I needed to place it in. Yeah, but then, then also like some student doesn't like milk. So they need to bring it with him to their house. <laughs> Cannot it's throw like having it. homework. Drink yeah. your milk. <laughs> Were there any rebels in class that refused to drink the milk and just threw it on the ground or stuffed it in their desks? Uh, no, when I when I was in the class, it's not like that. They they just uh, drink milk, and then some people actually like uh, I wanna I wanna have more milk, more milk, more milk. Especially guys, boys, they always like boxes of papers to get uh, milk left left in that class. It's good to hear how much the students respected and loved the milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they respect maybe cows. <laughs> right, respect the cows. I always liked white milk. And like I said, we did drink milk like this in our school. And I didn't really remember that until after reading about this part from the book. Uh, I don't know if they still do that or if it was just a trend at the time. But we also had the option of white milk or chocolate milk. And I always chose white milk. I don't know why. I feel oddly proud about that maybe since everyone was crazed about the chocolate milk option. <laughs> the teacher, Moraguchi, tells them something more important. She is retiring at the end of the month. She had been teaching there for almost four years now, but no more. Her teaching there is done. She is retiring because of what happened, and she wants to discuss that with her students now. She starts with a little history of herself. Teacher Moraguchi grew up in a poor family, unable to go to college, especially as a girl, which her parents claimed would be a waste anyways, but she was a good student. She loved school and received a scholarship. She enrolled in a national university in her hometown. She studied science, her favorite subject, and started teaching at a cram school even before graduating. She always tried her best to be a good teacher. She became a teacher in 1998 at M Middle School because the career had a stable income, but most importantly, if she didn't become a teacher, she'd have to repay the tuition money. Also, she says, middle school is like being on the front lines. It's in the middle of mandatory schooling. Students are still committed to learning, unlike high schoolers who have the option of quitting. Honestly, she sounds like a great teacher, but I'm not really sure I understand what a cram school is. So like most of the students go to cram school because uh, especially like a big city in Tokyo, maybe in Osaka or like, you know, like a big city, like uh, education is always high. Like uh, parents living in Tokyo in big city, they have, uh, they focus on education. Maybe like uh, everyone is like that. So I mean, so like I went to cram school, maybe when I was in junior high, middle school. I started going there and uh, this is not that my parents wanted me to go to cram school. I decided to go to cram school because I wanted to get high score on test. It's like a big, big competition, like test, you know, like every two months or every three months, there was a big test season and just the student focusing on like uh, how I can get like a higher score than before. I just uh, wanted to get the high score on test. So I decided to go to cram school. You sound like a very motivated go-getter. 
So in the middle school, I felt that I had nothing special with me. Like I cannot, you know, I am not expert on like sports and like culture, like music stuff, art. So I just wanted to make something different, maybe on me between my friends or like a different student, and then what I can do and then think about it, and then maybe okay, then I decide to go to cram school because I want to get the high. Score something. I just wanted people see me. Oh, like she is good at、uh, studying or something. But I think around me, there my friends are like that. Like me. And how do you say cram school in Japanese? Eh,、uh, juku. So there must be like many kinds of these, right? Uh, math one, science one, English one, something like that. It depends. Cram school. I would say eighty or ninety percent of cram school is、uh, like a total total study. Like they do math and Japanese and English, science and history. But some cram school is just focusing on English. Is that where you learned English? Yes, but at the time, at the time, I couldn't speak English at all. Just writing. You know, writing and、uh, memorizing、uh, vo- vocabularies. Well, you're sure quite good at it now. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> so, like, I would say I've learned English grammar from cram school, but not not like a communication, not like speaking, not listening. Because passing a test in Japan is really important to know the grammar first. Because test is always a paper test. It's not like using、uh, someone to talk with. It's not like using CD to listen, listen, listening to it all the time. It's not like that. Only like paper, 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 paper. So yeah. And you did this mostly elementary school and middle school, right? You weren't going to cram schools while you were in high school too. Is that right? Yes, yes. High school when I was seventeen,、uh, eighteen, just for a year. It's because for passing the exam. To enter university, yeah, I went to a cram school too. It's really big differences to me between cram school in middle school and cram school in high school. It's really big differences because so in middle school, I I just wanted to get like high score, high score. So that's why I decided to go to cram school by myself. But in high school, I didn't decide to go to cram school. That my parents forced me to go there because、uh, my parents wanted me to go like a good university or something. As we continue Moriguchi's history, we learn. That after three years at M Middle School, she came to S Middle School. It was a relaxing place to work outside the bigger cities. Students are excited by this because there is a famous teacher at that school called Masayoshi Sakura Nomi. He was the leader of a gang when he was in middle school, and sophomore year in high school, he assaulted a teacher. He was expelled, left the country, and as he did, he witnessed terrible things while he traveled. He returned a better person because of these experiences. He finished his education and became a middle school teacher. He would spend time in video game centers and bookstores, where students would get in trouble after school. He was trying to mentor them and get them back on a better path, just like he got his life back on a better path. These efforts gave him a nickname, Mister Second Chance. At the end of last year. Mr. Second Chance was recently given only a few months to live, and he worked harder to help his students. Now he has the nickname the Saint. So a few things to say about this, I guess. One is that it looks like I see that Mr. Second Chance. It was because he had gotten AIDS, which is why he doesn't have much time left. And it's funny how the kids are so freaked out about the idea of AIDS, but kids are getting in trouble at bookstores. We're in a bookstore right now, and I'm not really afraid of any of these kids. But after reading this chapter, as I'm looking at it, some of the things that this teacher is talking about to these students are heinous, murderous crimes, and the kids that are doing this are getting great fame for it. And it makes me think about all the bad things kids can really do at times. And it seems that the teacher, maybe this obviously is the author saying this, but it seems that she has a major gripe about this. But it really makes you think about your childhood and the acts of cruelty that goes on. 
In the middle, my middle school, there are only a few, I would say, a few bad students in my class, but it's girls, not boys. Like, girls are really uh, just so mean. <laughs> it's not like a, I think, like, a boys are bad boys' students. They just, like, maybe just fight, like, physical or something. But, like, girls is really, how can I say, not physical, but, like, more, like, mental. They are, like, fighting by their mental. You know what I mean? So, just, like, the word she said, she said, just hurting, like, the other person's And it's even worse with kids having cell phones at such young ages in school. All that secret behind-the-back gossip and cyber-attack bullying is so much worse than physical bullying. Additionally, teacher Moriguchi brings up several news stories of students using phones not to ruin just students, but to ruin the teachers' reputations as well. So there's crime in school and out of school. And being in Japan, this makes me think of Yakuza, maybe just due to their infamacy in Hollywood and the world. But I have to say the line between them and these student criminals is certainly starting to blur. So like at the time, when I, when I was in middle school, so like, uh, like students didn't have a phone. I think only like a few people had phone, but uh, like a school, like a bond student to bring their cell phone, a mobile phone. So like I couldn't see the student having a, or using a phone in a class. In middle school for me, it wasn't a problem, but it was high school where students were just obsessed with using their phones in class, mostly to just text each other, which was considered a cool thing to do, I think. It meant, you, it meant you had friends and were popular. Or maybe in other words, it meant you had a life. But of course, that is not how students are using their phones. They're using them to record the beat-ups, now the physical beat-ups, and then sending that around to their friends and showing them how badly they destroyed this person in the hospital sometimes. That is not how you were supposed to be using these phones, obviously. And you used to compete to be the toughest guy in school by getting in a fight at school. Now you're putting it online and you're competing with the entire world. Maybe that's what helped escalate these children to do these terrible, worse crimes. And so you have to ask yourself, why are we giving 10-year-olds this kind of capability? Yeah, yeah. In the, the book, yeah, like the student was like that. I mean, these are only kids, but what about the other criminals? So like you said like Yakuza, but the Yakuza is a, like a different field to me. It's like a different world story. It's like, a, and like, I would say like general crime is, uh, I would say really weird in Japan. Have you heard like a hikikomori? Hikikomori is like a people just stay at home and then they don't communicate with the other, but like, and then like they just break their mental by like staying at home without communicate with anyone and then like they just go like crazy crazy and once they go out and they just kill people and then like i i remember uh, it was like uh, already like 10 years ago or 15 years ago it was really big uh, like a uh, incident in japan it, it it happened in osaka ages ago and then one guy just went to school and then he killed like a 20 student or something. And then they found out after that he was a hikikomori. He just stayed at home and then somehow he went out and he started killing people. And then why he did it? Because he wanted to control. He, he thought he could control the world or something like that. And then, like, uh, after that, after that incident, like, uh, hikikomori, the world, like, people know the world. So, like, uh, I think uh, Japanese crime is a bit, like, a more, like, a mental problem, causing from mental problem. So then, I guess, after quarantine, we might see a lot of mass murder. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I see a lot of students calling the teachers for help in this chapter, too. And that seems weird to me. When they get in trouble, their first phone call was to their teacher. As if that's the normal response. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I don't remember ever thinking I should call my teachers whenever I found myself in trouble. 
Most times I would call my parents, I think, even though I'd get in trouble. What's with that? Is that normal to you? No, actually, like, uh, no, I completely agree with you. But I didn't feel like that way you felt when I was reading the novel, reading the book. But like, uh, I think uh, it's a really good point. It's really weird to call teacher to pick up the student. It's really weird to me too. So like, of course, like uh, if a student is going to be in trouble, they're going to call to their parents first, of course. Maybe they don't have to call school or something. But only in this case, maybe parents, most of parents, are just uh, out of home. They couldn't, uh, like a police couldn't reach out to the kids' parents. So that's why the police called the teacher to pick up the student. But like normally, yeah, they're going to call to parents first, of course. Yeah. So it's on the weird point I felt too. Right. Maybe she just used it for the story or something. She seems to also be saying that people blame teachers a lot. And I'm kind of happy she talked about that. I've been a teacher myself and I've seen parents rush to blame teachers or administrators before considering the problem might instead stem from themselves or even their child. Maybe because it's easier. Teacher Moriguchi also talks about teachers trying too hard to be friends with the students. In my school, I remember one teacher wanted to make a, like a good relationship, a good like chemical with their students. So like uh, he was really friendly. He called uh, his student by first name. And I think that class was okay. Right. I like that the teacher does criticize the teachers who become too much of buddies with students, the casual speaking to each other, trying to be like a cool teacher. There should always be that line, that gap, a professional distance. I think parents fall into this same trap sometimes. As you get older, that can change, I guess, but in elementary and middle school, not so much. But I wouldn't say friendly teacher is bad. If the teacher is really friendly, that the student can open their mind to them so like they can talk, like discuss easily. But if a teacher looks really strict, really like bossy, maybe some of the students feel afraid of asking for help or something. So it really depends on, I guess. This teacher also tells them uh, they're coddled nowadays and they're spoiled, that their parents do everything for them. And that's why kids give back such little respect in return. But let's go ahead and return to our story a little bit and see what else happens. Teacher Moriguchi has a daughter, Manami, but she's a single mother. The daughter was a cute little four-year-old who was obsessed with a bunny rabbit character called Snuggly Bunny. The daughter's father was out of the picture now. The father was Mr. Second Chance, aka the Saint, who she had almost been married to before he was famous. It had been a shotgun wedding, but it was called off after Moriguchi learned he was diagnosed with AIDS, which she didn't find out about until after she was pregnant. Fortunately, the daughter who was born was HIV negative. Manami used to come to school while the teacher taught. She had a nanny, a person who lived next to the school, and who owned a dog, Muku. Minami would come to school and wait in the nurse's office until her mother could come. Some of the female students would hang out with her to keep her company, but one day, the daughter wasn't there in the nurse's office. They eventually found her face down in the pool, icy and cold. Minami was pronounced dead soon after. Moriguchi, however, is no fool. She noticed and remembered things. A snuggly bunny doll that was found with the dog and that the teacher never remembers buying for her daughter. And a home run baseball that somehow flew all the way over the school and pool to end up at the yard of the house, the nanny's house, next to the pool. She knew detention punishments often included cleaning near the pool. So students could have seen her. Worse, the teacher claims chillingly that she knows two students were the murderers of her daughter. She even got their confessions. Class dismissed. Confession 1, Killer A. 
Killer A is very crafty, manipulative, and knows how to fake it very well. And he's also very good with electronics. Moriguchi hears that he does live experiments with an invention of his called the Execution Machine. He collected stray cats and dogs from the neighborhood using the invention to torture and kill the animals. One day, he enters after class with a small black leather coin purse with a zipper that gives an electric shock to the person who touches it. Killer A tested this on an unsuspecting Moriguchi first. A found its small shock and the teacher's surprise exciting. But of course, teacher Moriguchi was very concerned. She called A's house to alert the parents. They were offended and told her to worry about her own child. Moriguchi raised her concerns with the faculty at school, but is simply told to give a stern warning and be vigilant. A enters the device in the National Middle School Science Fair as a theft protection device. He succeeds and earns third place in the country, but he doesn't receive the notoriety he hoped for. Another story takes the spotlight called The Lunacy Incident. Killer A ends his science fair journey in disappointment. And I gotta say, this is very different from my science fairs when I was a kid. Definitely very different from my science fair project. I simply did an experiment to see what could stop apples from turning brown with common items like salt, sugar, water, and lemon. I certainly didn't try to electrocute people. And I didn't see anybody else do anything like that either. So he could try to fool people and say it's a theft protection device, but this kid has got a very twisted mind. Did you ever attend science fair? I I've never attended, but yeah, I know. Like uh, there is like every year science fair. It's not uh, it's not held in the school. It's like uh, always outside of the school participation. So they always need to apply for the organization to like, present their invention. So I think some of the student doesn't know like oh what is a what is a science fair, but uh, Yes, the other people know about it, science fair. So yeah, every year it's held in Japan too. Is it more of a nerdy type of thing to do? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Not, not is a bad meaning in English. I'm not sure about it. Is it, is it okay? If I say like, oh, you, you are so nerds, is it a bad way? I don't think it has the same strength as it once did. Maybe people even respect nerds now. Like if you're nerdy, it can be kind of a good thing. Like you're skilled at something. Or maybe like you have a passion for something. Like if you say, I'm a nerdy book reader, <laughs> maybe they won't say that's so bad. Or you have uh, an obsession with sports and you say, yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a baseball nerd. I'm a hockey nerd. I'm a basketball nerd. Maybe in that context, it's more like I have a cool obsession <laughs> or you hope so. Or maybe not, you know, maybe nerds will just always be nerds. I wouldn't consider myself a nerd. Like I said, my science fair project was pretty basic. My experiment was to keep how to keep apples fresh the longest. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty basic thing. So I just put together like different mixtures like sugar water, salt water, lemon water. And I think salt water predictably was the best. And then lemon juice was pretty good. But as a kid, it was a decent experiment because you have to, you just have to think about the chemicals, right? But it was decent enough for, for me and it wasn't very technical. It was basic, easy to do. I didn't win anything. <laughs> Nobody was very impressed, but I had a good title. My title was Sup with my apples. If you don't know, Sup is short for what's up. What's up with my apples? So Sup with my apples for short. <laughs> so okay. you know, I was young. <laughs> Sounded funny at the time. Yeah. I, I memorized my speech really well, and I got a good mark for it. It wasn't enough to move through the competition to the next round. I mean, it is a competition, so. Mm -hmm. But I got great marks for, like, presentation and, and doing all the things I was supposed to do. So I did my job. I got my good grade. <laughs> I see. So you needed, to, you needed to make a presentation as well. Right. Everyone in class did a project, and you had to memorize your speech and all your parts, what you did, why you did it. So you memorize it. And then you enter it in like a national countrywide competition. You start locally. And then if you move on, you move on eventually to the national level. I see. Eventually, there's a single winner. I see. Okay. Also, I think then like a, there is like a slight difference between 
like science fairs. Because in Japan, science fair is just like an exhibition. They just put like what they invented and then they just place it and then they just put like a paper which says like explanation. So like people and the judgments just like walking around, they just read. And then maybe if someone wants to ask about the detail and they just gonna ask detail face to face. So it's not like a presentation. Or like a big, uh, big project. Uh, it's not like that, I think, in Japan. Okay, so maybe less competition, more of a showcase. I get it. And obviously, this is all related to the killer A. He's the genius science whiz. But there were two killers. She got two confessions. Who was killer B? That's what I want to find out. Confession number two: Killer B. Compared to Killer A, Killer B was very different. He was only average at school at best. He wanted to be cooler, so he tried to be on the tennis team, but that just resulted in him running laps every day with another small, slender, pale boy, and the coach never even let him practice hitting the balls, so in rage, he quit. His next tactic is to attend a cram school. The cram school improved his grades for a while, until they don't. So B had failed again. Then one day, he almost gets robbed by older kids, but is saved by the police. He called the tennis coach, teacher Mr. Tokura, for help. But he didn't really help him. B's mother blames all this troublemaking on her poor boy's trials and tribulations of puberty. B's punishment was to clean the pool deck and the changing room after school for a week. Then, B's path crosses Killer Ray's path. A had noticed B writing words like die, die, die in his notebook, and they soon began hanging out and talked about who they wanted to punish. They settled on the daughter of Moriguchi. B knew about the purse Manami wanted her mother to buy her, and A combined it with his electrical device. The day Manami died, they met four year old Manami while she was feeding the dog one day by the pool fence. They convinced her to touch the metal zipper. Manami did and fell unconscious immediately. A was proud and considered the job well done and leaves. Ditched by A, B freaks out, thinks she's dead, and throws her in the pool to cover it up as an accident. You know what's worse though is that A and B still attended school even after their confessions to teacher Moriguchi. I can't believe she hasn't told the authorities or anyone until now. I'm glad B's father and mother found out at least while he was giving the confession to Moriguchi because can you believe hearing that as two parents? <laughs> at least that was a little justice. Aside from that, there were some funny points in this moment of learning the confession. One was that he joins the tennis team because he wants something cool to do. And so I just wonder why tennis? Because when I think about what's considered cool, the cool sports, I think of football or basketball. But I don't think of tennis, you know? Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, tennis is not on that kind of list.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't feel like that way, but yeah, actually, it's a funny point. If I was a guy, if I was a boy, and if I gonna get like, a,、oh, like a, I wanna be like cool, I think I would join into maybe football or baseball or maybe swimming,、mm, yeah. maybe judo. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, but not tennis. Yeah, and he never even got to play. But the thing is, like tennis as club is really popular. Among girls. So, if he, like Naoki, wanted to get like attention from girls, and if he attended to tennis club, which means he can easily communicate with the girls. Martial arts is cool. In、mm. Japan, what about you said judo?、Mm-hmm. Is judo the main martial arts that people do? Or like to do? Judo is never been the main, but like,、uh, but most of the popular sports in, as a club. It, Among boys is、uh, always、uh, football and baseball, and maybe swimming as well. But now it's time for Moriguchi's revenge. A and B's milk, she reveals, was spiked with something special. Did they notice the irony taste? Well, courtesy of Manami's father, aka the saint, Sakura Nomi, Moriguchi teacher. 
has put HIV-positive blood into their milk. And her last parting words to them are this, quote, I am hoping to spend spring break with Manami's father. We've decided living together since the accident, and though he doesn't have much time left, we have decided to spend it peacefully together. I hope you have a productive and pleasant vacation, and I want to thank you for the past year. Class is dismissed. Unquote. Jeez, and that's only chapter one. So the name of Killer A is Shuya, he's a boy. And then we have Killer B, whose name is Naoki, also a boy. And then there's Teacher Werther, and then there's Mizuki, or nickname Mizuho. She is the class president, a female character. And it looks like chapter two is going to be coming from her perspective. So let's get into that. This chapter is written by Mizuki, the class president. She is writing a letter to teacher Moriguchi, who has become unreachable. She writes about what happened after her retirement, and hopes by entering the letter in a competition, Moriguchi will see it. It's a new school year, the start of a new term, and the new teacher, named Werther, is a rookie teacher and he begins doing all the things that Moriguchi disliked. He immediately tries to be their friends, and he has a very annoying, upbeat, can-do attitude. He wants the class to think of him like a big brother, someone they can talk to about anything at all. Mizuki dislikes him. She says, quote, We're just a mirror he uses to stare at his own reflection. None of this would have happened if he weren't so self-absorbed." I certainly get this. There are a lot of selfish teachers out there who strive for selfish recognition instead of focusing on the students' achievements. And, you know, some teachers instead view the students' achievements as just an extension of their own. After Moriguchi left, Killer A, Shuya, returned to school. But by May, our killer bee, Naoki, has not. One of Werner's missions is to encourage Naoki back to school, and this will have terrible consequences. The teacher encourages students for ideas, but actually only chooses his own ideas. So he decides to deliver the class notes to Naoki at home. And Mizuki is chosen to go with the teacher to deliver those notes. At first, the visit to Naoki's home is normal. And the mother is dressed up, they sit together in the living room while Naoki's mother badmouths Moriguchi. But as time goes on, the meetings are less hospitable, to the point Naoki's mom only cracks the front door for them when they come to give the notes. And around this time, Mizuki begin to notice that the mom had fresh bruises and swollen lips too. In school, milk was given out again, but it's optional, and only Werner drinks it. One day, our killer A, Shuya, had cleanup duty. On this particular day, some students delayed behind to throw milk cartons at him. This is the beginning of his punishments by his peers, and Shuya will endure more as it becomes a silent competition. There is milks stuffed in his desk until they burst. Sour milk exploded onto him. His notebooks stolen with murderers scribbled in them, and eventually, Mizuki gets peer pressured into throwing a milk herself at him. But Mizuki makes a mistake after she throws it and says sorry. Her classmates hear this and accuse her of being a friend of Shuya. The gang of bullies force them to kiss and they snap a picture of her doing so. Quote, it's much easier to condemn people who do the wrong thing than it is to do the right thing yourself. It takes courage to be the first one. On the other hand, it's easy to join in condemning someone once someone else has gotten the ball rolling. You don't even have to put yourself out there. All you have to do is say, Me too! Unquote. Wow, yeah, that is so true. And we actually just saw an example of that in our recent book we read in South Korea with the novel Our Twisted Hero by Yi Moon-yeol. And even further, the quote continues saying, quote, It doesn't end there. You also get the benefit of feeling that you're doing good by picking on someone evil. 
It can even be a kind of stress release. Once you've done it, though, you may find that you want that feeling again, that you need someone else to accuse just to get the rush back. You may have started with the real bad guys, but the second time around, you may have to look further down the food chain, be more and more creative in your charges and accusations, unquote. You know, nowadays, too, the landscape, especially the political one, is vicious. This quote, I think, rings true more now than ever. I mean, essentially, this is how Twitter and Facebook operate, right? I mean, it doesn't take much today to become a target for somebody, right? Yeah, like, fortunately, I haven't experienced like that way. You know, like a like a career, like a destroy the others, like careers. I wouldn't say like it's a zero percent happening. Maybe this is like a wrong point, but my boss, if I disagree with my boss, I cannot say I'm disagree with you. That's actually similar to the talk I had with a guy in South Korea. He said the same thing about his bosses. The character got in trouble for not showing a certain amount of respect. Now, I mean, this is true for any boss anywhere, I think, but there seems to be something particularly special in terms of Asian country cultures when it comes to this. Yeah, I I, I mean, I cannot do that. And also, this is because I don't feel I can convince him to my idea. Right. Well, I think the lesson here is that it's awesome to be the boss, <laughs> especially if you're in a place where no one can tell you you're wrong. <laughs> After that milk event and the kiss, Mizuki receives a text from Shuya. They meet at a convenience store, and Shuya shows Mizuki a blood test report. Whatever the results are, we don't find out here, but Mizuki already knew the results this time. The day Moriguchi revealed about the spiked blood milk, Mizuki took Shuya and Naoki's and brought it home to test it. She had been collecting chemicals since that last summer, and after sharing this secret and this story with Shuya, Shuya and Mizuki kiss, for real this time. This happens even though Mizuki had loved Naoki since the first grade. The next day, Shuya gets revenge on the bullies. He walks into the classroom and bites his finger, and blood trickles down. He then wipes it on different phones and on the cheeks of the bullies, and then kisses another bully. And from then on, the bullying stops. Shuya and Mizuki hang out more, and he shows her some of his other inventions including a lie-detecting watch. Finally, Teacher Werner, feeling great about his achievements to stop the bullying of Shuya, makes another effort with Naoki. He prevents the mother from shutting them out this time and yells for everyone in the neighborhood to hear about his accomplishments in the classroom and to urge Naoki to trust him to create a safe environment for Naoki too. That night, Naoki kills his mother. I'm sure you know of some uh, crime stories you could share. I think before I was born or just like I was born, like in 1990-something. So like one, like 12 years old, 13 years old boy just killed like his friend, maybe like 20 friends or something. And he just hung the head of uh, like from from the body into the entrance of the school and apparently it was yeah it was really really you know like really bad but he was like 12 or 13 years old so people can cannot know about his name and where he lives as well and then now and then he didn't go to jail and now he changed his name like uh, from original to a completely different name and now he is about like maybe 40-ish, like 30, 38 or like 40 or something. And he lives in somewhere in Japan. Maybe if we look on our phones, we can find some information about it. Yeah, I've got, I've got this. Ah, but now we can know his name. But how can I send it here? Oh, wow. This website name is scary. Murderpedia. <laughs> Yeah, but now I didn't know that his name, I can know his real name. Oh, he's got a name too. So the the Kobe School Killer. Ugh. Ah. Dude, this is nasty. Mutilation, beheading. 
Oh, it's nasty, man. Okay, yeah, this is really bad. <laughs> Let me see what comes up in Google. There's a lot of articles about this thing. I never knew about it. Looks like it happened in 1997. He was 14 years old. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay, so this kid it beheaded an 11-year-old and then put the head resting on the gate of a junior high school. And then he taunted police and threatened to kill more people and felt... Okay, I mean, this is a pure serial killer. Like, I would probably watch a character like this on, on the TV show on Netflix, uh, Mind Hunters. So maybe we'll see that guy on the show soon. Yeah, this guy is... Uh, this kid is... Got some serious problems. I can't believe he he was not named. Even in this article, he's not named. Do we even know where he lives now? Is he out of prison? Okay, but it also looks like he has written an autobiography. The book title is Zeka, and looks like his crime helped stiffen the juvenile crime law that our author writes about in the book. So, so I guess we can see where Kane Minato's uh, inspiration might be coming from when it comes to this guy. Yeah, I mean, according to this article I'm reading on this uh, Japanese Times website, he served time in a medical reformatory for juveniles, and then upon his release in 2004, he earned a living as a day laborer. That's so weird. I mean, this guy does really crazy things, kills, beheads, and then does worse things than that afterwards, and he gets released, and now he's living a life. I mean, if I was the parents of that 11-year-old boy, I would not be happy with that at all. Chapter 3. The Benevolent One The point of view is Naoki's sister, and she just learned the news of her mother and brother. She wants to know what happened, although she doesn't find it unusual that Naoki had been staying home. She says it's not that rare now for kids to refuse to go to school or to leave their house. But it was weird that father had no idea for four whole months about the situation. So how do we learn about the events since the end of chapter one? Naoki's mother left behind a diary, accounting all of the events since then. Starting from that last day of school, Naoki was obsessive about cleaning himself. He cleaned everything. He scrubbed the bathroom his dishes, his clothes, but all in a very disturbing way. He couldn't stand his mother touching him. And if his mother did, he threw things at her, or snarled, and lashed out like an animal. The mother blames Moriguchi teacher because she came to get Naoki's confession. Throughout this terrible confession, though the mother was shocked, she continuously refuted in her diary that none of it is Naoki's fault. He's a nice boy. He's the victim. It's Shuya and Moriguchi and everyone else's fault. When the father hears the story, he wants to go to the police and do the right thing and to admit the crime. But the mother refuses. Wow, she really had a problem with Moriguchi teacher. She even complained about her before to the school. And she said that she wasn't heard because a mother's opinion doesn't count for much at a public school. I always think that moms have quite a strong voice, especially when it comes to their children and at school. So, you know, when you hear a mom complain, you don't just brush it off. That's my experience, but maybe this is different. I think it's now like uh, so Naoki's mom is really typical Japanese monster parent. Monster parent? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, so we call, we call monster parents, but I'm not sure if it's like an English word or something. Do you use, do you know the word monster parent? I'm not sure I ever heard that term used before, but I'm sure plenty of parents call other parents monster parents. Yeah, but I don't think that specific term, no. Although I have heard of other types of animal parent names like tiger parent or wolf dad or helicopter. So we, we call them like monster parents and they're like a short way like a monpe, monpe. People say like Monpe. So Naoki's mom is a typical Monpe. And then like apparently Monpe is getting, getting like uh, increasing now, especially in a big city. This is because, so so I, I, so I've just realized that this story was written in 2010. So, and then I think Naoki's mom is about maybe 40 years old or something. I'm not, I don't remember how old she is. Maybe the story didn't say about her age. 40 years old, mom, now, this year, in 
2020. So, like,、uh, this generation's、uh, parents were grown up by spoiling because,、uh, like, when they are kids, Japanese,、uh, like, economy is just really, really strong. So, like,、uh, like uh, people are just rich at the time. So, Naoki's mom, when she was little, she was spoiled so much. So, and,、uh, like, she can do anything she wants. And then once she She became a mom. She also still she can do whatever she wants. And she became a monster parent, Monpe. And、um, like she just focusing on what she wants, which is just focusing on Naoki and caring about、uh, only Naoki. And so these de- generation parents are really dangerous. Like、uh, they are just like really selfish, I would say. Well, it's also like she doesn't want any responsibility, too. I'm irritated by the part where she mentions Naoki's incident of getting beat up by those gang kids. And the mom says, The homeroom teacher is responsible in that kind of situation. She should have gone down to the station to help him, but this Moriguchi was too busy with her own child. And, you know, my response to that is, Why not you, mom? <laughs> you know, why aren't you going down? Somewhere to help your child instead of blaming a teacher for not doing it. You know, Moriguchi was helping her daughter, and maybe if you helped your son more, he'd not be a murderer. I don't know, too harsh? <laughs> so, Naoki's mother lets Naoki stay home, hoping to wait out his behavior. But it doesn't happen, it gets worse. Naoki stops cleaning and instead lets the dirt accumulate until he's reeking of sour rot from all the dirt, grime, and grease that he failed to wash. He hadn't taken a bath in over two months straight. And he had been wearing the same clothes and underwear day after day. And throughout all these months, the mother is very worried about Naoki becoming a neat, or a hikimori, or in other words, a shut in. So one day, she tries a tactic. She slips him sleeping pills into his food and then gives him an atrocious haircut, hoping it'll spark some sort of call back to reality. This is July 11th, and after his haircut, Naoki howls like a wild animal and utterly wrecks his bedroom. Naoki's mother is, for the first time, terrified of her own son. The good news is that cutting his hair might have worked. She hears him go to the bathroom a few days later and thinks that Naoki's washing his hair or washing his body, but he emerges with a completely shaved head. His mother accepts it since Naoki decides he wants to go to the store for the first time, too. First time in months. She gives him plenty of money and off he goes. But 30 minutes later, the convenience store manager calls her and says he has Naoki. She arrives there and Naoki has cut his palms with a razor. And was wiping his bloody palms all over the items in the store. The mother is flabbergasted and she purchases everything that he touched. Then they return home. Naoki finally confesses that Moriguchi teacher infected him with AIDS milk and now he has AIDS. Naoki's mom assures her son that still, none of this is his fault. And now she thinks they should go tell the police about Moriguchi's terrible act. But Naoki says, He wants to be arrested. Again, the mother says no, it was an accident. He didn't know the girl wasn't dead. But Naoki says, She's wrong. He did know. He saw her eyes open before he threw her in, and he did it anyways. After this, Naoki's mother can't handle the truth. She writes it in her diary that she plans to kill Naoki and herself. But as we know, that doesn't happen. And so, after Naoki's mother is found dead, police take Naoki and his sister is holding the diary and therefore the truth. She says this at the end of the chapter quote, I'll probably have to give mother's diary to the authorities, and when they realize that she was intending to kill Naoki and that he'd already been treated by a psychologist, he'll probably be found innocent, which is what we all want, for everyone's sake, even for father's. I want them to find Naoki innocent, but that can only happen once they find out what he was really thinking.、Unquote. Chapter 4 The Seeker Finally, we hear the story from Naoki's perspective. As we learned before, 
Naoki complains in his own diary that he never got praised or awarded for anything. One day, Shuya Watanabe, our killer A, says he wants to hang out with Naoki. And soon Naoki believes that they are really friends, and he feels better about himself because of who Shuya is and Shuya's successes. Shuya also lets Naoki do things his mother would never let him do, such as watching violent movies, and Shuya also shares the other thing he's famous for, removing the pixels from porn videos. You know, that's when you know you have a really good friend, when they share their violent zombie movies and porn videos with you. That's a keeper. That's a true friendship. Actually, this is kind of a cool little thing by the author. One, it shows his in innocence, especially when he's grossed out by it. But exactly like that, he's grossed out by the porn, but then he has no problem tossing Moriguchi's daughter into the pool. But let me pause here and besides that, say that she made a point about the porn videos in chapter one too, about how Shuya can take away the pixels. So I just wonder why she mentions it so many times. Is it purely for trying to make the characters realistic or innocent or, uh, you know, I mean, because Japan kind of has a reputation for this specific industry, I think. You know the word hentai, like a perfect? So, like, uh, I think uh, Japanese culture, perfect can be acceptable in Japan, comparing with uh, the other countries. So, like, Japanese porn, I think it's amazing, too, because, <laughs> like, uh, they have a... <laughs> I don't know, how do I say that? They have like uh, varieties, yeah. And uh, like, uh, it's just uh, different from uh, like uh, the other countries' porn. But I have found like, uh, let's say, like uh, different countries' porn have also like a funny like situation. Someone once told me that you can buy underwear from a vending machine in some spots. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Even toy, like a like a sexual toy as well, from vending machine. Is there some issue with kids depixelating the videos? It's not that problem, problem, but still, I think like a, you know, like a teenager. Come on, like a, every teenager boy like a, watch porn a lot, I guess. Well, this is why it's so funny because Naoki is commenting about it. He's like, well, you know, I watched it, but then it started getting to really disgusting parts. So, <laughs> you know, it's just he's, he's like this bad killer in the story. But then in this moment, he's he's like, I don't know what was so good about it. It's just funny. It's just such a childish, innocent thing to say, you know, for a kid. Right. And because he doesn't know why naked people are good <laughs> and he thinks it's gross. You know, Paige and I were walking through the airport and we saw that in the convenience stores, they have these really risque looking magazines. There's these plus 18 magazines that are just sitting out there in the aisle, you know, right facing everybody. You could just walk up and see them, although they're tied and they're wrapped, so you can't like look in them. But I was thinking like, do people really buy that? Are people really going to convenience stores and just kind of casually buying these magazines? I don't know what's in them, but I guess what shocked me the most was that they're in airport bookstores where, you know, you have people of all ages walking past and you and these were on the outside of the store facing them, you know, so I've never seen that in any other airport except for the Tokyo airport. <laughs> so I just don't want to, I yeah. want to know more about that. You can, you can open it and some parts is like uh, clothed. So you can, you can open by scissors. It's secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have to be prepared with your own scissors and quickly get in there and yeah. <laughs> what is in? Maybe it's really, really nothing. Well, that would be honestly very disappointing. And so Naoki is living the dream. He's got his new best friend and he's got the secret plan to hurt Moriguchi's daughter. Now, they like to talk about their plan a lot. And when it finally occurs and Manami is shocked and slumped on the ground and Shuya is smiling, he looks at Naoki and he acts like, hey Naoki, we've never been friends. You're worthless. You're a complete failure. And then he just leaves him. Naoki realized now that he had been used this entire time. But then he realizes when he sees Manami's eyes open, he can succeed in one thing that Shuya never could. And so he dropped her in the pool, finally succeeding at something 
and this gives him a newfound confidence and a sense of superiority. Now fast forward to the day that Naoki's mom gave him that terrible haircut. He had actually thought he was finally dying from AIDS, and then when he realized he didn't die yet, he was thinking maybe he turned into a zombie, and so that's why he was rubbing blood all over the grocery store. And then that night is when things got real. His mother carried a knife upstairs, and Naoki wondered, what's she doing? She's crying about how she failed him. And those words of being a failure made Naoki snap. He stabs her himself. Alright, chapter 5, The Believer. Finally, we get to Shuya's point of view. First thing I see him saying is... Happiness is as fragile and fleeting as a bubble of soap. Alright, good start. Okay, so he's like writing to us and he's telling us that he planted a bomb at school, but it didn't go off. Okay, yeah, this, you know, that actually reminds me of the story of Columbine High School, where the two high schooler boys who shot up the high school with machine guns, uh, they planted bombs in the school, also in the cafeteria. Um, but they didn't go off the way they planned either. So, you know, let's just not use bombs anymore, everyone. Let's just not kill anyone. How about that? So how does it work? It works via a phone call. This phone calls another phone, which is rigged to the bomb, and its vibration sets it off. The bomb is under the podium on the stage in the gym, and the plan was to set it off during the all-school assembly. Shuya gives us his full motive in this chapter, which is ultimately about his mother. He wanted his mother's attention. So he blames a lot of things on his mother too, because she left his family. She left him. And so he's trying to get her attention with all his event inventions, which is what he says is the reason for his coin purse. One of the science fair judges knows his mother because they teach at the same university. So if he won the science fair, his mother would probably hear about it and then hear about him and be proud or whatever. Doesn't matter. This kid's completely psycho, but he clearly doesn't care about killing other people to get what he wants. For whatever reason, his brain works like that, I don't know. He even says, quote, I don't necessarily understand why it's evil per se. Human beings are just one among an infinite number of entities, living or otherwise, that exist on the earth. If obtaining some sort of benefit for one being necessitates the elimination of another, then so be it, unquote. He's got a lot of views for a kid, Things that he probably doesn't know much about, like this one right here. Quote, I suppose there are some people who have an instinctive aversion to murder, but in a country like Japan, where religion doesn't count for much, I suspect most people have been taught to value life above all else. And yet, those same people also support the death penalty in the case of particularly brutal crimes without seeing the inconsistency in their own position. Unquote. So I would say this, uh, most of the Japanese people doesn't have a religion the some people say just like uh, i am a buddhist but i don't think they are real buddhist because uh, many japanese people goes to temple shrine and also church you know like uh, visited somewhere relating to different uh, religion and uh, like especially it's weird like so i went to high school and then that high school is a buddhist buddhist high school but my university is a uh, Christian, Catholic, but uh, I don't really care about it. And uh, I think uh, university and high school don't care about it too. So yeah, I think uh, most of people just don't believe anything. They just believe anything helpful. True, true. There are a lot of fakers out there. All right, and then yeah, so what about the death penalty? death penalty. I agree with death penalty. I think uh, people should, no, no, not should, but like, uh, I agree with it, death penalty. But and in Japan, there are be death penalty a lot in Japan. But the thing is, uh, it's gonna take uh, maybe 30 years to do it. And I'm very surprised to learn that all this stems from the need for his mother's attention. Now, I know that's important, but it's not murder important. So his mother, I guess, is a very intelligent woman. There's a quote here saying, Our values are determined by the environment we grow up in, and we learn to judge people based on a standard that's set for us by the first person we come in contact with, which in most cases is our mother, unquote. But I guess Shuya's mother is no saint. She would kind of play these games. She would beat him and then tell him that she loves him. It became clear that she blamed Shuya for holding her back from her dreams. So then one day when she divorced her husband, she left Shuya to pursue those dreams and become a professor in the College of Science and Technology 
at the university. I guess Shuya then found out that she had remarried, was pregnant, and moved on with her life with a new family, never even considering him. He was hurt by this, deeply. He told us that his mother also gave him a bunch of books to read, like Crime and Punishment, War and Peace. What kind of middle school or appreciates these kind of books. Why not Japanese authors? Why are these all like classical books? Not only that, these are like very high level books. I mean, War and Peace? This kid read War and Peace? Yeah, right. It's a shame to say even like I graduated from English literature major, but I've never read English book in English. All right, well, before we start reading other books, let's finish this one. We only got one more chapter to go, and as we mentioned before, Shuya is basically trying to get attention. As Shuya says, quote, If you're going to commit a crime, it ought to be something that can get people talking. Whip the media into a frenzy, which means there's only one crime that will do, and that's murder. So I could steal a knife from the kitchen, run through the streets waving it around and screaming like a madman, and then stab the lady at the deli. That would get a lot of attention, no doubt. Human beings have a fundamental need for physical and emotional space, and the desire to extinguish another life can arise when the boundaries of that space are violated. Unquote. <sighs> Chapter 6 the Evangelist. So when Shuya does press the call button, the bomb was supposed to go off, but nothing happened. Did something go wrong? Shuya gets a phone call on that phone. He's shocked, but answers it. Who is it? It's Moriguchi teacher. And she explains to him why he is pathetic and that he's actually the biggest idiot of all the idiots that he claims to know. She also admits that the milk had no AIDS blood in it. And she doesn't feel bad about Naoki. She informs Shuya that his bomb did work. It worked exactly how he wanted it to. It was huge. The bomb went off in Laboratory 3 in the Electrical Department building at the university. By his own hand, Shuya just blew up his pregnant mother. The end. He just blew up his mom. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, wait, there's my book. Paige! Sorry, Mio. I gotta go. Thank you so much for telling me about this book and reading it with me and talking with me about it. It was really exciting. There's so much in here. I feel like we could talk for days, but I gotta go grab my book before it runs away again. We're really excited to see the rest of Japan. Thanks for giving us such a great start. Thanks for listening today. Paige and I are happy to share our story with you and the next chapter in our journey will be an exciting one. While you can find us on Twitter at paperbackerp, you can also view our episodes, book links, and even recommend a book or guest for future episodes, all at our website, paperbacker.netlify.app. And of course, subscribe to our show via iTunes and Google Podcasts. And please leave your best rating and comments, but mostly keep reading, keep exploring, and thanks for listening. See you next time.